What's up and welcome back CNA Sports Show Part 2. I am your host, Anthony Cortez, joined alongside my two good friends and co-hosts, Mr. Alexander Ashley. Fellas, fellas, what's going on, guys? And Mr. Kevin Rowe. You're welcome. I appreciate you showing up, Kev, especially on time. Somebody's got to be on time around here. Two episodes in a row. You're killing it, Kevin. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, hey, before we get started, uh, we're going to talk some football. But before we do, let's talk about our friends baseballism. I'm going to spare everyone some time. I, t- I say the same thing every week. Please go keep supporting our friends over at Baseballism, baseballism.com, America's brand, the official off-the-field brand for baseball. Uh, visit them at baseballism.com, and while you're there, use our code AA Sports. Our initials A-A-S-B-R-T-S. Um, check out their Black Friday sales coming up. They have, uh, they have some previews up right now of everything that's going down for Black Friday. Um, I can pull it up right now, but I'm going to just spare some out. This will be out by the time Black Friday is out. So just go support them and go support any and all local small businesses out there still. I guarantee, well, I don't want to guarantee it, but there, there's a good chance there's, some still, there's still some small businesses out there that are struggling from the pandemic and are still short-staffed. So do me a favor. When you go out to a local restaurant, when you go out to one of your local restaurants, your favorite local restaurants, be kind, support them, because chances are they're still short-staffed. So please keep supporting all, any, and all, any and all local small businesses around you, baseballism included. Use our code AA Sports. Support them because they support us. Thank you. All right, boys. New college football rankings are out as of today. We're recording this on a Tuesday. They came out literally about two hours ago. Um, we don't have to go through the list of everything, but I'm just going to ask just for the sake of argument. Any surprises to you, either Alex or Kevin? Or any – was there any surprises at all, or did you kind of see anything change? Or, I mean, there were changes, but. Let me see. I'm going to try to find the newest uh, ranking. So we had Georgia at the top, of course. And I'm just going to preface all of this, all of this with saying nobody's beating Georgia this year. Um, not right now. Not right now, dude. Um, as our resident Georgia Georgia Bulldog fan, um, Alex, who spent some time in Georgia in his life, and he's a Bulldog fan, I think this is the year they finally do it, man. I don't think anybody's beaten them this year. So I don't know, man. Kirby Smart does not do well against Nick Saban for some reason. And it's weird because Nick is necessarily even like a super great coach. He's probably the best recruiter to ever exist on this planet. But it's not exactly like he's, you know – better than Kirby Smart at coaching necessarily. He just gets really, really good assistant coaches. Um, but it's like a mental game. But, no, I mean, Georgia's averaging, like, you know, six points given up a game while scoring, like, 21 to 24. Uh, you know, nobody's even come close thus far. Yeah. Uh, so, go uh, But, yeah, from the top, so the first four, Georgia, Alabama, Oregon Ducks, Ohio State, the Ohio State University, all the top four. Uh, Cincinnati is still being left out at the number five spot. Michigan and Michigan State are right behind each other. Michigan is just ahead of Michigan State, six and seven. Uh, Then you have the Irish. You have the Oklahoma State Cowboys at number nine. The Wake Forest Demon Deacons at number 10. Baylor Bears, 11. Ole Miss sitting at 12. Oklahoma suffered its first loss of the season against at Baylor. They dropped down to 13. And then you have BYU, Wisconsin, A&M, Iowa, Pitt, San Diego State University, North Carolina State University, Arkansas, UTSA, Utah, 
Houston, and Mississippi State round out the 25. Um, I was actually watching the uh, the rankings as they were coming out, um, at least the like the first 30 minutes of the show, at least. And I found something very interesting of what Gary Barter said. He was the chair of the committee because the whole – and, we, you know, we're not going to get into the argument again because just nobody's going to win around here. But the whole strength of schedule, I just found I just found something very interesting to me. I don't know if this doesn't make sense to me, if I heard it wrong or what. Um, so Michigan State is is currently one spot behind Michigan, and I do believe that Michigan State beat Michigan earlier this year. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, please, somebody. Um, they did. I think it was last week or something that, like that. Yeah. So rightfully so, uh, David Pollock was on there voicing his opinion about it. Two weeks it. ago, I'm sorry. Two weeks, like ago. Two weeks ago. Either way, they either way they beat them, um, and they're still sitting behind Michigan. Gary Barta, Gary Barta, sorry, um, as he was being interviewed by Ruth Davis, just made a very interesting comment in how it's so pretty much like ninety. Not if we can all agree, ninety-five percent of it is based on strength of schedule. Which whatever we just we we argued that last week. Nobody's going to win that argument, anyways. But he's – so Reese specifically asked him about the situation with Michigan and Michigan State. Why is Michigan still ahead of Michigan State even though Michigan State beat Michigan? And Gary Barta's answer well, or it was, well, when the committee looks at this, Michigan is, is statistically better than Michigan State in almost every category. But then when asked about other teams as well, well, it's a strength to schedule issue. It's just, you know, the, the, the whole argument for the, for the rankings is um, – a lot of it is strength of schedule. Who do you play? Who are some impressive wins? Who are some quality losses? Whatever. So that tells me, like, okay, when you're looking at this, you don't take into consideration at all the head-to-head matchup of Michigan State beating Michigan. Like, you didn't play that a factor at all in your decision to rank Michigan ahead of Michigan State. Did I hear that right? Like, does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I, so I heard – I was watching, I guess, close to the same part that you were, because that, that, I guess, was one of the big questions that lots of people were asking is what they were saying, because that's the same one that they were looking at with Oregon and Ohio State was, well, because Oregon beat Ohio State, they have the same record, yada, yada, uh, Oregon went ahead of, of Ohio State, and yet here's Michigan sitting above Michigan State. Michigan State has multiple top 25 wins, whereas Michigan – only loss was to their only top 25 opponent. Um, but they were saying that statistically that they looked better. Now, I, I do think that they take head-to-heads in consideration because of the fact that they said, yeah, Oregon and Ohio State, because Oregon went there and won, even though Ohio State has had some better games and playing better football lately, that, you know, Oregon is still ahead of them because of that game. So I think they take it into consideration, uh, but yeah, that that that's one of the few ones that I still don't quite understand. And to be honest, I'm I'm still a little confused about Oregon to some degree. I mean, they do have one top twenty-five win, and it was number three, Ohio State at Ohio State. So I I get it. You know what I mean? Um, but I don't I don't quite understand how Ohio State doesn't have a better, you know, is above them considering that they have two top 25 wins and does look better statistically, uh, very likely, I guess, than, than Oregon. I think probably what it is, it's a combination of head-to-head plus their strength of schedule. Because if you're playing 
lower quality opponents and beating them by 50, I think they rank that probably equal to playing better opponents and winning by seven or 10. You know what I mean? Um, I think that they find those comparable. So I think, I, I think it's not that they don't count it. I think it's that it's in consideration. So for some people, the argument is solely just strength of schedule. Who do you play? And for some people it's well, yes, it's a, it's a head-to-head, it's a weird quasi-tie, a three-way tie, whatever the case is. Because, I mean, if you really think about it, what, two through ten, only one, there are, you know, of those nine, eight of them have the exact same record. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think it's in consideration. I don't think it's that they don't take it. I don't, I think it's that it's in conjunction. I think it's a case-by-case, basically. Another point I found interesting, I don't know if you caught this, Alex, while you were watching, but I forget the gentleman's name um, that's up there with Reese and, and David Pollock. But uh, he was saying how he doesn't see how – and something happened. Anyways, he was saying how he doesn't see how Alabama falls out of the four, the playoff, basically, um, because even if – I forget how they were saying it, but – so if they play Georgia, if they go on to yes. win out and they yes. play so Georgia in the SEC championship and they play close, you don't see how they fall. They don't see how they fall out because nobody's gotten anything close to Georgia. So a two-loss team that has played the number one, been the number one, and played close, so style points, as it were, doesn't fall out versus a team like Cincinnati who may go 12-0. and um, So in other words, you could still play Georgia – and a quality loss would still keep you in the top, the playoff, if you're Alabama. Right. I think part of it you got to watch on that one too is just how far Texas A&M falls, because Texas A&M lost again to Ole Miss. Um, now they play um, Prairie View A&M, so they should win that one. I'm thinking, even though the Prairie View's seven and two, but. But then they close out the season against LSU, who's four and six. If they don't play well against one of those two teams, that loss that Alabama has to AM suddenly looks a lot worse. And conversely, much to that very same point, the more that Notre Dame wins, the better Cincinnati looks. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, so it's one of those I, things where it. If I Notre think, Dame wins, yeah, that's, that's a good case for Cincinnati. A so one fast. thing that's going to help Cincinnati, too, is when they play in their conference championship game, they're potentially going up against the top 25 team as well in Houston. Yeah. yeah. Well, they would be. They're top, they'd be 24 now because that's why that's the rankings that they sit in. Well, I'm saying potentially you still got a two, uh, two weeks before that you get to that game. Right. Um, what Cincinnati needs to happen is it needs Oregon to lose one or both games to Utah because they have to play Utah who's ranked. And then they're probably going to play Utah again in the Pac-12 championship. And they need to lose one or both of those games because Georgia will be there. Alabama will very likely also be there because even if Georgia loses to Alabama in the SEC championship – there's your one and two. It was just flipped, right? Now it's Alabama one, Georgia two. Um, Oregon will probably win out. They have to play a couple more games, Michigan being one of them. 
but they have a chance to play four ranked teams and I see Oregon losing before Ohio State losing, to be totally honest with you. Um, Ohio State just looks like a, a better team overall. And their one losses to the third ranked team in the nation right now. Okay, whatever. So Oregon falls out. Ohio State jumps up to two, which I think would then put Cincinnati in four because Michigan's loss would be to Ohio State. So they're going to be a two-loss team. And I don't think a two-loss team right now versus the team that got you there or the team that gave you those losses. You know what I mean? Because if they lose already and then they lose in the Big 12 championship, that's two losses on Michigan. So it's three in total. So basically – I really want someone in that top four to lose because I want to see chaos reign. Yeah, I want to see Georgia beat the dog shit out of Cincinnati too. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I just want to see what the college playoff committee does in that situation. If they actually drop somebody out and put Cincinnati in, or if they drop somebody out and somehow have a Michigan. Michigan leapfrog. Right, or Cincinnati. Michigan State leapfrog. And then them trying to – to say, oh, it's because of so, such and such. Yeah, see, I, I agree. There will come a point where it's like, no, no, no. You know what I mean? At this point, because of the rules that you made, you have to put Cincinnati up there. But again, it, and I, somebody brought this up the other day. I can't, I mean, my dad, as a matter of fact, that's what I was talking to. I was talking to my dad about this. Uh, and he was like, how do you judge a team? That was his whole point. It's hard to judge these teams that are not in power five or even some other teams like BYU or San Diego state who might be close to them, Mississippi state, uh, uh, Wisconsin who lose two or three games because they play. So how do you judge them versus these other teams? And I mean, that, and his whole point was, he doesn't think you can, he doesn't think you, you can truly, use the same scale to judge these two. You can't. Because, because you're, you're playing – it's essentially like playing two different sports. I mean, it really is. At this point, the way the committee is basing these off of, it's there's it's like literally slim to – like it's near impossible for a P – or sorry, a G5 to make it into the playoff. With this – not even that. That's not even what he was saying. He's talking about just judging how good they actually are. Compared oh, well, to everybody I mean, else. Yeah. Like, even if we didn't have a playoff, right? Let's say there was no playoff and you're trying to pick the best 25 teams because they're the level of talent that they're playing, the level of coaching that they're playing, like how it's like they're playing two different sports, two different leagues entirely. You know what I mean? Uh, how do you truly judge the two? I mean, he made a good argument. I'm not entirely sure that you can't anymore. You know what I mean? Um, it's almost like you need FBS and F, like there's the FBS and the FCS, right? There's uh, FCS, you know, has, you know, Sam Houston state, James Madison, which is moving up Montana state, North Dakota state, Kennesaw state, all, all those guys, right? Eastern Washington, which is where Cooper cup went. Um, like these guys produce talent, but it's not the same level of game. You know what I mean, these guys will go into the Sun Belt or the WAC or these weaker conferences, and they won't do very well. You know I mean, they'll struggle for a while until they can bring in like talent and recruiting to that level. So it's not, it's almost like it's not the same game. It's almost like it's, 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 it's too separate. Like you need a whole separate group. You know what I mean? Like you need just your power fives to be in one conference and they have their own national championship. You have the group of five has their own national championship. 
and then FCS has their own national championship. And then if you want after that, maybe even have a world championship game where you take your G5 champ and your P5 champ and you have them play against each other. You know what I mean? That um, would be, I would love to see that one day. I, know that would of, be, I think that would be interesting. I know a lot of people would. I think it's never going to happen, but that would be cool. Right? I, I think a lot of people would argue against the fact that, oh, I mean, a P5 is just going to embarrass a G5 every year. How do you know? That's that already the argument. <laughs> You know, you know what I mean? That's already you, the argument. And my argument to that is, how do you know that for sure? How, how like, you don't know that for sure. You <clears throat> just automatically say a P5 is going to embarrass a G5 every year because you just can't line them up and play them. Well, dude, why do we love Cinderella so much, dude? Why? Why do we love Underdog so much? Because why? it's a fun story. <laughs> exactly. This, these would be fun stories, man. Sure, I'm not saying it wouldn't be a fun story, but that doesn't mean the fun story wins all the time. That's why it's a Cinderella, not the common occurrence. No, but sometimes they do win, and that's the point. Sure, and they make a movie about it. <laughs> yeah, and then we get more I'm good not, Yeah, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but I'm saying, like, yeah, nine times, 9.9 times out of 10. Yeah, but game is not all statistics. Game is what's on the field. I can, and you have to play it, but I can I can agree with your dad, and I just unfortunately do think that it's at that point now, and it's just the committee goes by that, and it's just if you're not playing in the P five, you're sorry, but you you just don't have a chance at the national championship. Well, you say that, and yet Cincinnati is still literally right there as a G5. They are, they are knocking right on the door. But if you, you think about it, they're with Michigan State and Michigan and Notre Dame and Oklahoma State and Baylor. They're above Old Miss. They're above Oklahoma. Cincinnati yeah. is above Oklahoma. So, yes, they do have a chance. Yes, they do. But, and they've given themselves that chance, you, too. Rightfully but so. you broke it down, they have to rely on a lot of help. They have to basically win out and rely on a lot of help in order to get to that playoff. So does everybody else. No. So does every other team below them. How do you think Notre Dame's going to get in there? They need help. How do you think Oklahoma State gets in there? They're going to need help. Everybody who need everybody needs help to get into the top four because that's the goal. That's the landing spot. You know what I mean? That's where you want to be. You can only control what's in your power. You only play who you play, just like you said. But you need help to get to that top spot. You know what I mean? They need to figure this out. They they need to either expand it or figure figure something else out because it's just, just hold on. Let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Of the top 15 teams, nine of them have the exact same record. Of the top 15 that aren't those nine, two of them have undefeated records. That's 11 of the top 15 being within one game of each other. They need help. That's how that works. Everybody needs help. You know what I mean? I think an expanded playoff would be fun to watch. I would agree. I mean, Especially if they're going to start getting paid, might as well, man. Now you want to volley for more games. I would say you need. I will say too, you need to trim the schedule down. You need to play not as many non-conference games, and you need to play not as many conference games at, as well. But something needs to be done. I think it'd be a lot more fun, especially for the viewer. And why do we play these games so people can watch? You know, yeah. make money. Um, There's another reason. I still, I still say that having four or three lost teams ahead of a 
an undefeated UTSA is ridiculous, but that's my opinion. Well, do you know why, Kev? It's because literally nobody – the schedule. <laughs> yes, and because we're, we're, just, we're still trying to build a brand. And I guarantee if you went and asked Gary Barter, anybody on that committee, they'd, you know, what do you know about UTSA? Literally nothing. Yeah, didn't they say USTA the first time? Yes, they did. <laughs> yes, they did. They, they said the United States Tennis Association is what they said. And I don't believe they were joking either. I, like, or they, I, I think it was serious. Like, they really – Yeah, they just – they messed up. They yeah, they wrong. meant it. Um, we're still trying I'll to – tell you what, though. That's the problem with the committee. They need to educate themselves then. I mean, they need to do something. My my only hope for UTSA, not my only hope. Sorry, I've been hoping all year, and you know, they need we need to run the table in order for this to happen. We need a lot of help in order for it to happen. But um, there's been rumors about us possibly getting a New Year's Six Bowl, and I I know that's a very serious long shot, but that'd be very very cool for that to happen. And we need to run the table, and we need a lot of help in order to do that. But anyways, we'll get a, we'll get a good bowl game out of it. So. Yeah, they'll be fun. Well, considering two of those six spots are already taken by the BCS yeah. championship. Yeah. That leaves you four games. Eight teams. I doubt it. I doubt they'll get it. Because the college football committee hates uh, G5s. And basically anybody not in the, not in the SEC. <clears throat> yeah. It needs to be fixed. It just does. It just it needs to be fixed, man. You just can't rely on a fourteen playoff and then everybody go have fun in their bowls. Like it just this needs to be fixed. Kevin, what or it's not Kevin, sorry, Alex, while we're on the subject and while while I still have it on my mind, as our resident Longhorn fan, man, what give me your thoughts on this season. Longhorns have zero – no, I'm not going to say zero chance, but they have very slim chance of making a bowl game at this point. You have, you have to win six games in order to be a bowl eligible. They are not at that point. How are you feeling as the season is unfolding, man? Well, hold on. I think, number one, it's, I think they have a little bit of a better chance than, than you might think that they do. And the only reason I think that is because uh, – uh, because they're Texas and they have a grand. Exactly. And so a lot of these small bowls, if they get six wins, they will pick them up because they want that money from the viewership. They want that money from um, everybody watching. So I think that there's a chance that they still make the playoffs. Um, or not the playoffs. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Um, a bowl. Um, I think what you're seeing a little bit is uh, in. Let me start by saying number one, it's it's atrocious, right? Like it's very, very, very frustrating as a UT fan to sit here and watch us lose to the fucking Kansas Jayhawks. Like that's un, like fathomable, because for the longest time the Jayhawks have been like the guaranteed win. You will not go undefeated, or you will not lose every game this year because at some point you have to play the Jayhawks, you know what I mean? And so you will get that win. Um, I think, okay, so there's a couple of things. Number one, it takes time as a head coach to develop a a culture. And I think that's a little bit of what you're seeing here. I think you're seeing, do you guys remember not that long ago when there were reports 
that Tom Herman had a very toxic environment at the University of Texas, that it was kind of, it was, a, and that's why so many players were entering the transfer portal. That's why so many people, that's why he couldn't get any recruits. It was a very toxic and negative environment that he was talking shit about Quentin Ewers, who was like the number one ranked quarterback for his class. And that's why he decided to go to Ohio State and be the backup versus going to Texas, which he lived in Texas and, and, and being the starting quarterback there. I think what you're seeing a little bit of is that kind of shaking out. It, it, as far as like the coaching staff and everybody around him, he's done some firing, he's done some hiring, but you have to change how the culture operates, especially if the person in front of you is so negative and, 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 and so toxic. Now, I'm not, you know, saying that Tom Herman wasn't a good coach, but there were lots of reports of toxicity, and maybe that's what we're saying. Number two, you have to uh, get your guys in, and I know that sounds kind of cliche, but if you look at the teams who consistently – uh, when there's not a lot of coaching changes, they keep the same coach and the same coach gets to bring in the guys that they need and want to fit the certain program that they're running. Um, I mean, in Alabama is a great example. You look at Alabama and their long history of running backs. I mean, literally they had three NFL starting quarterbacks in a room together at one time. And only one of them could start. You had Matt Jones, Tua Tungavailoa, and Jalen Hurts. All three of them are starting quarterbacks in the NFL. We can't get a fucking quarterback, right? It's it's crazy. There's this weird loss of identity within the state. Nobody – like all football players in Texas don't dream of going to Texas anymore. That's Sam Ellinger is one of the few that do, but Sam Ellinger is also not the same level as Quentin Ewers or, you know, all these other guys that go to, to different schools, Baker Mayfield, who is an average NFL quarterback, but goddamn, he was a good college quarterback. Kyler Murray was a great college quarterback. Both of them are from Texas and we didn't even try to recruit them. We didn't, <laughs> we just didn't try to recruit them. So nobody who is really very good wants to go to Texas, even though they're from here. So it's, we have to create this identity because over the last decade, we've lost it of a place that that's where you go if you're from here. You put pride in the Texas name that you're from here and you you do anything you can to, to protect that. Number two, there's a lot of toxicity that I think we're kind of shaking out and, and getting out. If you notice, we're getting so many more players coming in now. We've only had one guy into the transfer portal, which is a common occurrence at this point in college football. If you're not starting, then you go somewhere else. Uh, which I think will actually help the G5 case, but that's a different topic for a different day. Um, so yeah, it's uh, give them time to get their program together and you will see success. But if you fire somebody after three, four years and changing a program, like you, you're never going to get to where you need to be. You know what I mean, Shark, Shark, Sark is very obviously looking for something in a quarterback. He's looking for something in a quarterback and neither one of the guys who are there now have it, you know, Hudson or Casey, neither one of them have whatever he's looking for. That's why he keeps flip-flopping between, between them. Bijan Robinson is a fantastic back, but he obviously isn't a huge run the football kind of guy, which is weird considering he was out Alabama, but whatever. Um, and but, Bijan just got hurt out the rest of the year, right? Yeah, I believe so, yes. but And even when he was then, he, they would start with everything else and then turn to him and be like, oh, can you please win us the game? And he'd be like, well, I'll give it my shot. And then they won, you know, four of their first five, right? 
So it's he's looking for something, and he just doesn't have the pieces yet. And it's very evident because even the plays that they call and the way that they run doesn't look the same. The defense doesn't look the same, and it doesn't look like it's getting any better because it just it looks like juxtapositional and out of place. Like it doesn't look like it fits quite right. Like the players don't 100% know what to do. And maybe some of that's because it's a brand-new coaching scheme because you have new offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. Um but yeah, so it's a lot of brand new. The problem with it is, is that, you know, Tom Herman didn't exactly do a great job recruiting, number one, or keeping his recruits, number two. So he's playing with kind of what he has left. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think that's why you're seeing players that you have left, you know, new program, new identities, new everything, and it will get better. Um so, yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons, like, you saw that video that surfaced. You saw a video of somebody going, like, hey, can you believe our coach thought of us or did this to us? And they wanted to show that, hey, they're treating us mean. Maybe that's some of the toxicity they need to get out of there. Maybe that's this whole, you know, weak player concept that people have been bringing up, that, that he shouldn't have even been there in the first place and should have been taking personal accountability. Why was he even recording in the first place? That wasn't the message that was trying to – the coach was trying to get across. I mean, maybe it's 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 just get better players, get tougher players, whatever the case is. And I'm not saying that that guy isn't tough or very good. I don't. We nobody knows who exactly it was, uh, which is probably for the better. Uh, but also, also, Texas fans are like the shittiest fans I have ever seen in my entire life. So I follow like half a dozen UT fan pages on on Facebook. And every one of them, if uh, it's it's so like gross, just how terrible and mean all of these people are, and some of them don't even have affiliation to the school. They just like the team, and they're like, "Oh, well, maybe we should just kill Shark." And I'm like, "Are you fucking sick, dude?" The FBI will read that shit. Like, you should take it down. Like, it's insane the shit people will say, and so. I think a little bit of it is the super weird expectation placed on the team by by the fans and granted we should be a little bit better than four and six um you know and if we win what two of our last two then maybe we can make it it's not a super tall task it's kansas state and west virginia which are very winnable games um then we can you know make a bowl game but even then there were teams that made bowl games with losing records last year too but not that that matters at all um so yeah i think i think what you're seeing is a combination of of things in Texas that are just culminating to a really bad start for Shark, but it's not even so much that the record is bad, it's that how they're doing is bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. They lost to sixth ranked OU, 12th ranked Oklahoma State, 16th ranked Baylor, then lost to Iowa State after getting our butt smacked for the last three weeks, and then to Kansas, which is unbelievable. Um, let me know, ask so, you, yeah. Let me ask you this before we get out of here for part two. Do you think letting go of Mac Brown started started all this, or do you think this started after Mac Brown? Like, because I'm on I, I'm on the boat of just I I don't know if Mac if I don't know if you would have kept Mac and he he would have still been there, but I think it was at the time that Mac chose or I don't know how the two sides or I don't know how the split happened, but at the time I think. Well, it goes back to what I said a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about it. 
I think you're still trying to find an identity after Mac Brown. I just don't think letting go of Mac Brown was the right call at that time. Uh, I actually, I, I think they let go of him at the right time, maybe even a little too late. Like I said, you have Kyler Murray and uh, uh, Baker Mayfield, who are both NFL talent quarterbacks, uh, both of them available during Mac Brown's age, and he didn't even think about recruiting them, and instead picked up uh, Colt McCoy and a couple of other guys after Vince Young, who I'm not mad at Colt McCoy, love Colt McCoy, but he's not an NFL caliber quarterback. He was never going to be that good. They're mi- he was missing on talent from a while before. Um, he was going downhill. And, I mean, it's not like he's been doing exceptionally well in North Carolina either. You know what I mean? Um, so it wasn't ending great there. He moved, and it hasn't been great since. That's one of those things where it's like, okay, you had your heyday, which, by the way, remember, we're like, oh, Mac Brown, Mac Brown. He was there for, like, six years after he won a championship, and it was all downhill after that. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't, it wasn't great. Yeah. So I, I don't think that a lot firing... to win a championship though. Huh? So it takes a lot to win a championship though. Sure, and I agree. I'm I'm not, you know, I'm not saying it doesn't. Um and it was an incredible thing, and it's like Texas is like, you know, first since like nineteen fifty. Uh, but again, it's it, we weren't exactly winning the Big Twelve a lot. We, you know, like I said, we've won it maybe three, four, five times in total. So we weren't beating Oklahoma. You know, the one time we did, we won the championship, which is most excellent, but it wasn't getting us anywhere. And then he was having, you know, bad seasons after that. The recruiting was gone bad. The records have gone bad. And it's a lot of money in Texas. <clears throat> you got you to gotta produce. You know what I mean? I have a question for you. You're talking about culture change. Shouldn't a team get better with culture change? And I know it takes time, but – even if you implement it at the beginning of the season, shouldn't you start to get better and better as the year goes along? Because what's what I'm seeing in Texas is very concerning to me, considering the fact they started about four and one, but now they've lost five in a row, including to a one win Kansas team. Weren't you right. also, giving a weren't you also 55? up by Go ahead? Sorry, I was just gonna say, weren't you also up by three touchdowns in Oklahoma at the half and end yeah. up losing that game? Yeah, and, then, well, and yeah, it'd been a very first half. 55, 32, 31, 30, and 57 points in those five games. Oh, yeah. No, trust me. I, I, yeah, I, <laughs> I've seen them. It's not fun. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I would agree that you would expect to get better, but also my, my, my rebuttal to that would be, like, what's your timeline? Yeah. If you're expecting them to get better within this season and this season alone, then no, they're not getting better. And, you know, we'll talk at the, I guess, theoretically at the end of Sharks tenure, if they ever did get any better. Uh, but if you tell me what your timeline is or what you want the timeline to be, then we can see how long it's taking for them to get better. But right now it doesn't look good. And now, do I think they were going to compete for a championship this year? No. Do I think they were going to compete for the, the Big 12 championship, I know. Do I think they were going to compete for a bowl game? Yeah, I do. Because last year wasn't a terrible year for them. But they're doing worse this year than they were last year. And sure. the fact when you got uh, uh, Sarkeesian coming in, um, I know it's a culture change and it's a big change for these players. But you'd think after a few games they start to respond to what Sark 
Stark is doing, but it seems like it's going the opposite direction. Like, okay, we don't, and this is speculation. Oh, we don't like the way this guy's doing things. We're not going to play as hard for him, or they just don't have that motivation to play as hard for him as they did Tom Herman or anyone before him, or just any coach, period. And it just doesn't seem like they have that motivation to play for this guy at the end of the season. Right. Nice. And, but I, I will also say this. Um, first seasons for a lot of coaches are usually pretty bad. Nick Saban hovered around 500. Tom Herman was around 500. Uh, Mac Brown was around 500 uh, in their first season. Now, I know we're shooting below that bar, but – like I said, it takes time to develop what you're trying to do. And honestly, we don't right. even know what it is. I mean, we don't. Right. And honestly, I'd be okay with 500 for for Texas. Sure. If they ended the season 500 with Sark, okay, I'd be okay with it, except for the way that they're doing it, where they're ending the season terribly versus starting it very well. Sure. If it was kind of back and forth all season long, or even if they started off bad and then finished off strong, okay, maybe I, I, I'd, I'd buy into Shark in the future. But well, on the Kevin, the, the sorry, way, the, the season's not the over. Way, yet. Two games left, man. You could still finish up the season six and six, five hundred, and you could still look good doing it. So yeah, but you got to go against. You got to go to West Virginia against a team that has the same record as you, and then you got to go against Kansas State, who's seven and three. I don't think they're going to win with a 500 record. They're going to win under. My, like I said, my issue is just the way they're they're ending at the uh, the way they're ending at this season. You know, I will it's take just, a game under 500 and be okay. Like, is it super confidence building? No, it's not. But again, it takes a lot of work to do what he's doing, especially if Tom Herman was as toxic and that culture was as shitty as it was. Yeah, I mean, and again, you gotta remember, we were we we didn't have like any players, any good players for the last three years. All we did was lose players to the transfer portal and not get a single top five recruit over the last couple of years. So, I mean, you're supposed to compete with teams who are getting all of those because Oklahoma State is now getting those. OU is still getting those. Baylor is getting those again <laughs> now. Um, a lot of his bigs, their coach. And Iowa State was poised to make a run at the championship. They did last year, shit, uh, at the Big 12 championship. So give it a year or two. Let them actually get some good recruits under their belt. I would say if things aren't going well by midway uh, towards the last third of next year, then I think we have a much larger problem on our hands. Um, But I don't think we have one quite yet. We'll see, man. We'll see. I'm very interested to see how the how the Longhorns finish out the season. Um, but we're, in, we're we're getting out of time, so let's end it. Um, continue to be good to yourself. Be good to each other out there. Don't drink and drive. Don't sex and drive. With that, we'll say later. Peace. See ya.